It is do or die time in the Champions League. We have some amazing second leg ties to watch. And Liverpool absolutely obliterate Manchester United at Anfield. And that win could have some major repercussions across the Premier League. We're going to break it down and more today on the supporter section. Grab your scarves. We start right now. Well, welcome into the supporter section. I am Cole Carter, and this is episode 61 of the supporter section podcast. Go ahead and leave a like and subscribe if you have not already, because we are excited for this newest episode. I have my two good friends with me, as always, Stephen Curl and Brandon Paitznik. And to begin, I have a question for you guys and the listeners. Fellas, would you rather have your Premier League team win one major trophy once in 25 years or be second place finishers 15 times in those 25 years a moment of glory or a moment of consistency for 15 years brandon i will start with you you want to be relevant or do you want a chance at glory Mm, we're talking aston villa here if we're talking trophy and i and that's including winning the premier league I'm winning the Premier League one time and getting relegated to non-league football. I do not care. Uh, I want that Premier League trophy and to remember what that feels like for the rest of my life. Second place, you just run her up. I don't know. Steven, what about you? Okay, not to be that guy, but when you say major trophy, is a Carabao Cup attainable? Like I'm, I'm talking. In this case, we're talking either Premier League or Champions League. That's it. So if I have chances to win other trophies, I think I actually might change my answer right now. Uh, I'm going for the Premier League title or Champions League. I'm probably picking a Champions League. Um, yes, if Tottenham could attain that, that would be absolutely incredible hell even if atlanta united to win the club fifa club world cup against real madrid i'm thinking that status too hell i don't know um that's just something i could not ever forget to brandon's point um but yeah you know get some chance to pick up some other silverware but it's the u.s open cup fa cup care about cup so i'll go for the big cojona um because i tell you what being a braves fan and a Georgia fan, it feels pretty nice. So give me give me that trophy. 25 years is a long time, I have to admit. And that's pretty much exactly what the Braves were. They were at 26 years. Um, yeah. So coming in at 25, I mean, it felt pretty good, you know, winning 14 straight divisions with the Braves, you know, all that stuff. But being consistently in contention every year, second place... You know, you're not supposed to want that, but it's not so bad. Not so bad. You're always in the Champions League. You're always playing for stuff. But I guess I understand. I could land on at least one trophy, one Premier League, one Champions League trophy. I guess that's the fair answer. I'll, I'll land on that. We'll all take the clean sweep on it. But hey, you know, I don't think it's as simple as we're making it. That's that's pretty tough. 25 years, you, you become totally irrelevant you could probably drop down like you said in relegation that's not an easy thing but uh, you definitely want any taste of glory that you can get especially when you go 15 years like us at Tottenham when you don't win those trophies not not so fun but we're gonna jump into our first segment of the day we always like to give out a golden scarf award this goes to the person team or thing that we think we think deserves some praise from the previous week of the sport and Steven, you're going to get us started on someone who has recently had a little bit of controversy, but still is scoring some goals. Who is it? Yeah, I'm going kind of a, a random pick, honestly. Uh, Ivan Tony from Brentford. The Brentford striker is currently third in the golden boot race. He just scored his 15th goal of the Premier League season to put away Fulham. Uh, he scored a penalty, but hey, it's a goal. Helps... Brentford in a dramatic 3-2 win over Fulham. Uh, starting to talk about Brentford in Europe. I don't care who you are, but you better start paying attention. Uh, but I think it's super impressive. Only trailing Harry Kane and Erling Holland. That's pretty elite company. He even has more domestic Premier League goals than Marcus Rashford, who's been absolutely on fire. It's a guy that I have to talk about. Um, 
maybe he's not excited he's playing for Brentford, maybe calling Brentford shit at certain times <laughs> in his career, but he's going out there scoring the goals and in a style of play as well at Brentford that you don't think Brentford and you don't think attacking free-flowing football. So I think it's all that more impressive that he's at 15, 15 goals in the Premier League behind Erling Haaland and Harry Kane. So uh, my golden scarf is going to Ivan Tony this week. That is a good shout. Brandon, who would you give a golden scarf this week if you could? It's a thing or an idea. Um, it's my good friend VAR for having a good week, I think. I didn't hear any VAR controversies this week, probably the first week uh, all year, actually, all season. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe there were, but they're just so common now people don't care. Or maybe they were just really, really small ones. I don't know, but I have to give the golden scarf to VAR this week. And you're talking about the Premier League, because I will say, maybe in Atlanta we could have had a little VAR discussion with Yakamakis. But I do, I do agree. Not anything controversial for the most part. I'm giving a golden scarf to Cody Gakpo, the young kid of the moment, having two sublime goals against Manchester United in that 7-0 thrashing that we will get to. Uh, his two were certainly the best of the lot. Um, that second goal to Chip De Gea was pure class. Um, he definitely has a career ahead of him if he can continue to put goals in the back of the net like he just did against Man U. Um, but yeah, definitely one that he deserves, and he might even get more this season. We'll see how Liverpool do if they can keep their form up moving forward. Well, we are going to preview the Champions League. The round of 16 has now come to the second leg. So this is do or die time for many, many teams, including a rematch of that 2020 Champions League final that we've talked about. Bayern Munich, they lead PSG 1-0 going into the second leg. And big news out of Paris, guys. Neymar just announced to have undergone surgery to repair ankle ligaments. That's going to keep him out for at least three months. So that's basically till the end of the season. Not good news for PSG. This comes at the worst time. But potentially, you know, this might be the best time for Messi and Mbappe to shine together. Maybe this is the last time in Paris for the two to shine on the Champions League stage together. Brandon, knowing that Neymar is out and only Mbappe and Messi can lead this team, are you worried for their ability to come back in this draw and move on to the next round into the quarterfinals? Um, I think I think Bayern is is the better team here, but you you name two of the top five players in the world. Um, I don't think I think you always have a chance if if they play. And in this case, they will be playing. I think Mbappe's healthy and back to full fitness. Um, they'll be starting, probably playing a full 90. Yeah, you, you definitely have a lot of hope. They, It's going to be tough. And I don't know if I trust their defense so much. But you have the, the old, that sort of phasing out, the best of the best, the GOAT, as some may call him. And you have the new... Goat and Mbappe. We sort of put this parallel when we were talking about the World Cup. Now they're coming together as a superpower and hopefully beating Bayern. Yeah, Stephen, these are the two stars of that World Cup final. Mbappe had a hat trick in the World Cup final, but without Neymar, is there just any chance that they can move through? I mean, Bayern is just so clinical, they are so good. I'm going to do you one more and call it a blessing in disguise, potentially, for PSG. Honestly, Neymar has not been doing too much for PSG of recent. He had a fantastic start to the season for PSG, but it's been controversy since this trio got together. Can Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe start up top, all three together? And now you don't have to worry about that. Um... So I don't know if it's as big a loss as it might seem just to hear the shock factor of Neymar not playing in the Champions League. Um, and honestly, you mentioned that hat trick in the World Cup final. After seeing Mbappe score a hat trick, you and I watched that together. Um, I, I mean, there's no stage at this point that's too big for Mbappe. He ended up losing that World Cup final, but he scored a hat trick in a World Cup final. And who's he playing with? Messi. So I'm not going to count them out. I... 
my money would be on Bayern, but not confidently. It's the Champions League. It's tournament play. You just you really never know. And keep in mind that Mbappe statistically is not really in his prime yet. Uh, players, so he's only getting better, honestly. So far be it from me to count Mbappe out um, in a situation to where he could bang in three goals, and I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. So. I, this is not going to be on my You Betcha uh, segment at the end of the episode, to say the least. I think it's going to be a good game still. Yeah, it will be really interesting to watch. We'll see if Byron can just bury them, put them in the ground. Or, yeah, PSG has some of that Parisian magic between those two magical players, Mbappe and Messi. Tottenham play host to AC Milan. They went down in the first leg in Milan. 1-0, Raheem Diaz scored the goal to put AC Milan up on this tie. Some news for Tottenham, though, regarding Eric Dyer. He is suspended due to his yellow card count. Antonio Conte should be back on the sideline for Spurs. We'll discuss if that's a good thing or not. Um, and this is also now the last competition left for Spurs in cup play. Uh, just um, got knocked out of the FA Cup. So this is potentially the big focus for them now. Um, and Milan themselves are also fresh off a loss to Fiorentina. They sit fifth behind Jose Mourinho's Roma on goal differential in Serie A. So... Both teams right now have some question marks. Both teams need a big bounce back for this game. And for both of them, they'll see it as no better moment than now to advance in the Champions League. So we could be looking for a pretty good matchup, Steven. And for Tottenham, what do you think will need to happen for them to be able to advance to those quarterfinals? Yeah, I mean, it's creativity in that final third, uh, honestly. And even Tottenham coming off really hard losses against uh, Sheffield United and Wolverhampton on the weekend. You're almost thinking this new manager bounce, almost, um, coming into such a huge game. If this is Antonio's first game back as uh, the head coach, it's I could see him injecting, all right, these past two performances have been shit. Like, y'all have been, y- we, let's get back on the track and... No better time than his first game back in charge to advance in a tournament play in the Champions League. So hopefully there's that much pressure, that much intensity on the situation because they got to win. They got to win at home to go through. You want to have this game at home. I think the stage honestly sets itself, which I'm not a very confident guy in Tottenham all the time. Y'all know that. But for some reason, it's it's powering up to me as a classic Tottenham advance in a dramatic fashion uh in the champions league i could be totally wrong but yes to answer what we need to do i mean the the goal that brahim diaz scored in that first leg is just honestly kind of unfortunate um it just kind of happened brandon foster ended up parrying it in uh in a dangerous spot so it's it's the offense harry kane needs to step up kulisevsky needs to remind us why we love him so much Youngman's son, Richarlison, I don't care. One of those two guys. And uh, just score. Just score in the final third and not take shots 30 yards outside of the box. And I think Tottenham's going to be in a good situation. Brandon, as somewhat of a neutral, um, who would you think has the edge to advance? Is it AC Milan because they have the goal up? Or is it Tottenham because now they're back in London playing it in front of their home fans? Who would you give a leg up to to advance to the round, 16, or the round of um, eight? Yeah, um, I'd probably say AC Milan. I think it, it's pretty fair in that first game. From what I remember, is a pretty fair game as well. Um, the fact that they do have a goal does help them a lot. But it's also, you know, Tottenham, their last couple games, they've been, the ones that they've won, they've won, they scored two goals and not let up any. Um, the ones that they've lost, like this last result in the first leg, there it was a one nil loss. So that's been like the last five games, basically. Um, what they need is a two nil win. And so I have confidence based on that, knowing that they need a win. They probably need a clean sheet. I think they can get it done. And I'm trying to be unbiased because I predicted them to go to the semis. Um, but I think Tottenham can get it done. I think AC Milan does hold the upper hand, though, with the goal because I think they're pretty evenly matched but one team does have harry kane so hey but zlatan's back as well so who knows what this game could be <laughs> those are very good points and a point that will be coming up is that of the four champions league english teams three of them are behind in their draws and this includes 
Chelsea, who now will play host to Dortmund. Dortmund, they are leading 1-0 in this tie. But we just saw Chelsea finally get a win over the week in the Premier League against Leeds. But when you look at the run of form for Dortmund, they are on a 11-game win streak and are now tied with Bayern in the Bundesliga on points. So, yeah, Chelsea run into one of the hottest teams on the planet at pretty much the worst time. So, it's looking very unlikely that they will go through. But, Brandon, will Chelsea at least go out of the Champions League swinging? I want to hear your thoughts on this, Cole. Um, I, I think they will. Like I said, this team is built for Champions League. Um, I just don't know if they'll do it. They need two goals. When's the last time they scored two goals in a game? I think we said in the last week's podcast it was like a long time ago. <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's been this calendar year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and they couldn't score two against Leeds, who I, by all accounts, you know, their defense is not great. So, um, yeah, not looking really good. Um, I think they'll swing, though. I think they'll throw a couple punches. Well, the storyline might be writing itself. You think about the uh, young American Christian Pulisic making the squad for this game. Maybe he comes on 60th minute. Maybe he starts. I don't know. Maybe he gets a goal or maybe the winning goal against his former club, Rusha Dortmund. Maybe that's a headline. But really, in reality, you're going to have to look to a guy like Raheem Sterling. He's a guy who's been there. No. Clip that. Anyways. Clip that shit. Wow. (laughs) I love Google intervening on my conversation. Anyway, so talking about Chelsea, Raheem Sterling is a guy that obviously hasn't won a Champions League final with Manchester City, but he's been in the tournament many times. You're going to look to him to have some leadership. All these new young guys that have come into Chelsea don't have that experience. Um, Graham Potter does not have that experience. Uh, So it's really, it's going to be hard. You're coming down... Um, against the hottest team on the planet, but you're at home, you're at Stamford Bridge, and you're only down 1-0. It'd be really easy. You could get lucky, get a penalty in the first 15 minutes, and then you go equalize that. Like, There's so much opportunity for Chelsea to rebound and actually come together as a team. We haven't seen them play as a team, it feels like, in a long, long time. They've been so inconsistent. They've let teams run all over them. Uh, it hasn't been a good look for them. And yeah, like you said, they just beat Leeds pre... I mean... The goal they had was good, but it's just, you know, they didn't put them in the ground like we know Chelsea of old could have a year ago. So going against Dortmund, I'm not confident, but it would be pretty cool as an American fan to see this, the story coming out of the day. Christian Pulisic maybe scores a goal on his return, um, but I don't think they can get it done, Steve. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, I think of the depth that Chelsea have, and I, it's just so hard not to fall back on this. There's so many freaking players and the only silver lining to this game are two things. The game's at home, I believe, correct? Yeah, first yep. one was in Dortmund. The game's at home, and on paper, Chelsea has way more depth than Dortmund, right? That's just the facts. Dortmund's in a title race right now with the Bundesliga. Are they going to sleep on Chelsea? Who knows? Um, Chelsea is playing for nothing. This is their only saving grace. If they could somehow pull this off against Dortmund... It's almost like you're trying to save your season because you know you cannot finish top four. So do not count Chelsea out. I hate that I'm saying that, but at the same time, they're only down one goal going into a home tie with a lot of talent on that roster. Um, Pulisic one of many coming back, so we'll see. Um, But who knows? Who knows? They don't give me any evidence to believe in them, but... Champions League doesn't really care about that, so I'll, I'll leave that up for, for what happens in this match. No, that's a great point. That's a really good point about they have nothing else to fight for. Nothing. So, yeah, this could be that thing they could make a run in. It's, it's like any other tournament you watch. I mean, in MLB, the Phillies weren't even the best team in our division. They're the ones that go on the World Series run. It's Teams can make magic happen once, and you just have to build off of that to go on some kind of run. So... Maybe this is Chelsea's moment. Um, We'll have to see what happens. Really, really excited to see how these Champions League matchups play out. This will be the first week, and then next week we'll have the conclusion of the round of 16. So always, always love the Champions League, the best tournament of the land. 
But in the Premier League, it is Match Week 26 that we want to review. And this one, guys, you know what I'm going to talk about. We had an absolute thrashing on our hands. Liverpool at home at Anfield hosting Manchester United, a rivalry of old. We think these days it could be rekindled, but then Liverpool start to fall off. Man, you, they skyrocket. They just won the Carabao Cup a week ago. But this one did not go at all how anybody expected. And what a match for Liverpool it was. Atina has been counted out, suddenly puts on a wonderful scoring display. And Cody Gakpo got the scoring started in the 43rd minute. A really, really good team goal that looks like Liverpool of the past years. Getting them up 1-0 at halftime. And then from there, it was just running riot, Steven. Like, they were playing Halo, 4 kills, Slayer. Like, everything killing spree. It was just keep going and going and going. And it ended 7-0 in favor of Liverpool. And that helps Jurgen Klopp's men jump to 5th. Just a week or two ago, they were in ninth or 10th place. And they're only now 3 points back against our 4th place Tottenham Hotspurs. And still a game in hand to play with. And Manchester United on the other side of this, suffering the joint heaviest loss in their club's history. Brandon, this that last loss that came was in 1931. That was before, yeah, a guy named Sir Alex Ferguson was even born. So thinking about that, the history is not good. When you have to talk about games, 7-0 versus Wolves in 1931, 7-0 versus Aston Villa in 1930, 7-0 against Blackburn Rovers in 1926, that's a long, long history to not have this happen against you. And this came probably at a very weird time. You were on the top of the world a week ago, and now you just got put back into your place. Uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Steve, I think Brandon said something about this game, about Manchester United. Can you remind me what he said about it? Oh, man, I'm I'm poking fun at Brandon because it's. I think this is a fluke, but I don't even care. I wanted to make the most out of it. I went back at the last episode and typed these notes in. Brandon, quote, Manchester United are not going to lose this game. No chance. They're going <laughs> They're going to get hit by the Red Devils, talking about Liverpool, right in the mouth. Could be 3-1, Man United win. Liverpool are mad. They are not good. Um, you know, the Sky Sports, ESPN FC, the best, the best fall into bad analysis, Brandon. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Liverpool are the best. In, no, I'm just kidding. But this is a game that nobody expected. I didn't expect it. I said maybe a draw if they're up for the fight. It was absolutely wild. Um, what a what a freaking game. Yeah, well, Brandon, for you, I mean, this is obviously a fluke of Man United, but looking at their strategy, what went wrong for them from your eyes? Uh, I think Tint Hogg got it wrong, in, in my opinion. This whole drop... Um the Dutch striker that plays midfield now dropping him Beghorst. in <laughs> into the midfield. Um, it's just weird. I, I didn't see Rashford coming off the left like he normally was. And maybe I just watched the game wrong or something, but Rashford's success is coming through the left where he can sprint past people and take people one-on-one -on -one and, you know, create goals out of nothing. It seems like he, he just never really got the chance. Um, I honestly don't think, man, you got off the bus. They, first half, they were okay. They were okay the first half. Uh, and created two yeah. chances that if they would have scored, I think the game goes a lot differently. Um, but, I mean, halftime, you're down one nothing. This is why I think the game's such a fluke. It, it's so weird. I think they once they went down 3 nothing. obviously the game's probably over, but it was so early on. What was it? Like the... I don't know, what was it? The 50th minute? You still have 40 minutes to play with to try to tie the game. They just gave up. And so then it's easy for a team like Liverpool to create their own luck and score goals. And I, Yeah, I'll stop talking. I think Liverpool looked really good, and I think that's like what they can look like. But 7 nothing is a major fluke. No one expected that from Manchester United. No one expected it from Liverpool. I think it's really easy to just look past this game now. Probably not for Man Manchester United fans, but as a neutral, it's just sort of like, that happened, that was weird, this whole season has been weird. What is the rest of the season going to look like? I'm really interested. Well, I think about, there's been some topic of discussion about the attitude of those Manchester United players, especially the captain, Bruno Fernandes. 
Um, there's a little bit of an instance. I don't think it's that big of a deal as far as like discipline or anything, but you have a moment where he's just showing his frustration, shoving the linesman out of the way, trying to get a throw in. Um, and I think I even heard potentially something about him upset. He didn't get taken out of the game at some point. So Brandon, when you think about the way this team's put together, you know, you have some personalities on, you got rid of the biggest personality in the world. But you still have guys like Bruno Fernandez that are still going to be, you know, causing a rouse every once in a while. For a team that wants to win, it sort of seems like it can be a really good thing when those guys are firing and they're, you know, hitting goals and, you know, playing well together. But the moments that they're really down, you know, they almost don't even play a game at all. And this is how you get beat 7-0 to zero now. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, I don't want to call out players because I think they all of them weren't very good for Manchester United. Fred had an awful day, and it was a bad day to have an awful day. Um, yeah, I, it, it's just weird. Bruno Fernandez, he's one of those players that he you like him if he's on your team probably, but if you're an opposing fan, you just sort of don't like him at all because there's not really much to like about him. <laughs> he gives you goals, he gives you assists, yeah. and that's why you like him if he's on your team. But... Yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of, of Bruno Fernandez. I would love to hear Jacob, our friend's take uh, on on the situation. Um, I had a, I sent him a text and just to check on him this weekend after the game. He said, "I'm in Marvin's room right now," so that tells you really where where he was at. Uh, I'm done talking about this Amazing. game. <laughs> yeah, so obviously a no good, terribly no fun day for Manchester United, Stephen, but for Liverpool. Maybe this is sort of their defining moment of their season. You know, they're not playing in the FA Cup. They obviously didn't win the Carabao Cup this year. Champions League is looking pretty bleak against Real Madrid. Uh, but the Premier League, they're now up to fifth, a game in hand on Tottenham, potentially with a win. They could now be tied for fourth place. So for you, looking at this game, is this now the defining moment for Liverpool, for Jurgen Klopp, for a chance to strive for a top four spot? 100 percent um i'm it's one of those weird games to where i do think it's a fluke for manchester united that honestly just gave up like brandon said in the 50th minute but liverpool took this game in stride and with each goal every fan's aspiration at anfield and watching on the television got higher and higher for this club maybe high all the way up into the top four and i think that's a realistic want for this team like you said, uh, less competitions to focus on right now. They are getting back to their best. Seven goals is nothing to scoff about, regardless of how random it kind of is. Nunez is scoring goals. Harvey Elliott probably had his best game in a Liverpool shirt as well. They just looked they looked amazing. They looked amazing up top. And I think what you also saw is that they Manchester United did not look bad that first half, really. They had some chances, but they didn't score. So they withheld the onslaught of a top three team in the Premier League. And then came out in the second half and kicked their ass. I mean, that's that's what happened. And they have a game up against Bournemouth this next game uh, coming up. And they're looking at getting nine points in three games. They beat Wolverhampton on Wednesday. Let's not forget about that. They had two... Premier League matches this week that we thought could have been an issue. They dispatched Wolves 2-0, Man United 7-0, 9-0 on the week. That's a good day at the office for the boys. Uh, and if I'm a Tottenham fan, which regrettably so I am, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared of Liverpool behind me. Uh, they look a lot better than us right now. Uh, granted, the season ebbs and flows, so I won't get too into it, but... Uh, Liverpool, like I said, like I've been saying, um, have a very realistic chance at finishing top four, especially with the likes of Newcastle kind of falling a little bit, Fulham falling a little bit, our kind of romantic picks uh, maybe at the after the start of the season are starting to fall off a little bit, and this is where class and form starts to come out, and Liverpool showing it. Brandon, are you buying or selling Liverpool's Champions League aspirations? Uh, I mean, they're right there. I think, again, they have the team to do it. They haven't played up to par this year. Um, but it takes a run. It takes a run. This Liverpool team looks different, and they've looked different all year in a bad way. If they can put it together for how many games are left? Like 15 or so? Not much. Um, yeah. Like, 
you know, let's say they win 9, 10, 11 out of those, I think they definitely get Champions League. I don't think it's... Like I said, I think this game's a fluke, so I'm not betting that they will, but they most definitely could. And um, I don't know when Luis Diaz comes back, um, but they're they're starting to figure it out, I think. And I have a I have a, a conspiracy with Liverpool that they purposefully went out of the all of the cups and now going to be um, Champions League most likely. <laughs> just so they could make a run into uh, into the Champions League for the spots for the Premier League. So that's what I think they've been doing all year. They've been scheming. <laughs> I'll buy it. It's sort of like the anti-Chelsea right now. Chelsea's only going to focus on Champions League. Liverpool going Premier League only, it seems. So, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, if the game was a bigger fluke for Liverpool or Man U is the question and answer. I think it's just... Mo Salah has been just a fraction of what he's been the past couple of years. You bring in Cody Gakpo, he's starting to score. And Darwin Nunez is finally figuring out what that big white rectangle is, and you put balls in it to score goals, so that's important for Liverpool. Um, he obviously has the talent to do it. He's had that really great flick against Real Madrid. He puts a head on the ball, gets two goals against Manchester United. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a bigger fluke for Man U, and Liverpool, I think, still has a lot of... Um, winning to do. They still have a game against Tottenham, so a direct competition for that fourth spot. So that'll be a really big, I think that's in late April, um, so coming down towards the end of the season. So that'll be a really, really important match. Um, but we did mention Newcastle. They just went up against Manchester City at the Etihad, and it did not go well. They've played both both Manchester sides in the span of a week, and there's some signs of them falling out of the top four race. Steven, are you beginning to be a bit worried for the Magpies? Uh, Yeah, I mean, no wins in their last five Premier League matches. That's a fact. And two losses, three draws. It's not looking great for Newcastle right now. Um, they're not scoring a lot of goals, which really hasn't been that big of an issue this season. But they weren't letting in <laughs> goals is the thing. Uh, Newcastle actually has the least amount of goals in the top nine i would say top 10 but chelsea's still in the top 10 they only have 24 goals uh but yeah so newcastle is not scoring goals but they are letting them in so yeah it's also manchester city newcastle will be searching for a bounce back um i believe they have wolves on sunday yes they have wolves on sunday so That'll be a big telltale sign of where this team is at. No wins in five games. They gotta win. They are falling off though, to answer your question in short. Uh which it's kinda sad to see. Uh I'm not gonna write them off, but numbers are numbers and they have not won um in a little while, so and coming off two defeats. So they need this game against Wolves and they need it to go well. So, and Wolves are a good side. Take it from a Tottenham fan. hey Um, So, no easy task there on Sunday. Yeah, and on the Manchester City side of things, Brandon, we've seen as they can do. They have really good goal distribution. We saw Phil Foden and Bernardo Silva get the goals on the weekend. When you talk about teams like Newcastle, they've had to rely on the likes of Miguel Almiron a lot this season. Um, Alexander Isaac has not been scoring goals like they would have hoped with the price tag that he came with. Um, so they've been getting the job done for you with, uh, Newcastle. Are they too reliant on those players to really have the chance to make it into the champions league this year? Yeah. I don't know. I really don't. I think if, if Eddie Howe can get the defense to tighten up again and they find goals from St. Maximin, uh, maybe Joel Linton, um, Callum Wilson needs to start scoring some goals again, honestly. He made the England team, didn't he? How, first of all, how did he do that? Um, <laughs> it's Over biggest, Tony. Yeah, just a massive scam. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think once they score, because they can win 10 one nothings the rest of the season. Like, I don't doubt that they could do that. Um, I think they're, they're good enough to do that. It's just, yeah, they, they, they can't be letting in goals. Um, they, I was bragging about how good their defense was a couple weeks ago. Um, but since then they, they, you know, I don't know if they still have the best defense in the league. 
Um, but that's surely slipping away as we speak because they are letting in goals now. Maybe, you know, their their top four hopes are gone at this point, but Europe is not. And I think if you gave any Newcastle fan at the beginning of the season, hey, you'll be five through seven somewhere in there. Would you take that? And and a cup final run, would you take that? Yeah, I think they would they would snap your hand off. So it's fun. Um, they're a good team. I think they'll stay in Europe come the end of the season. Top four might just be too much this year, though. I don't think they strengthened enough in January. And I'll tell you why. You look at Newcastle United with their new ownership, them getting Champions League and just getting that Champions League financial boost – Already looking at next season, that would be scary. Just the thought of what they could do bringing in players. I mean, money's already practically a non-existent thing, but just the fact that that's a really big influx of cash. You don't want them, if you're trying to keep the competition tight, that might be a big boost to them if they make Champions League. So, likes of Liverpool, Tottenham really, really need to tighten things up because Newcastle could be a force to be reckoned with next season if they were to get that top four spot. Um, but yeah, not getting it done against Man City, um, We'll look to see what happens in the coming weeks. But a team that we've talked about a lot, ups and downs, the inconsistency, Stephen. Tottenham Hotspur at the Molyneux going up against Wolverhampton, falling late to an Adama Troy goal. A guy who, he's had an up and down time going to Barcelona, talks with Tottenham, all things in between. He was oiled up and ready to go in this one, getting the goal late. But once again, Steve, just looking a little bit stale, aren't Tottenham? Yeah, it was a great finish, too, by Traore, real quick. It was I was off, like, a rebound back in the middle of the park, but one-timed, just swung his boot through it, and it was off the crossbar, and it was a great goal. Um, yeah, I mean, Tottenham just looking consistent. Stale, like, like you said, 21 shots, I think six on goal. And Pedro Porro hit the woodwork um, from a free kick, which was kind of cool. And then Youngman's son hit the woodwork. So honestly, like Youngman's son's chance not putting it on target, I think is it's it's getting I want to say other words. It's getting very old uh, at this point. And I think maybe the neutral that doesn't watch Tottenham on the day in day out goes, oh well, you know. If that sun goal, if that sun shot goes in, you know, you guys win or something. You never know. It's just we haven't looked creative in that final third for a, a number amount of games at this point. It just didn't look good. I mean, the defense is poor. Um, and honestly, Wolves looked more threatening the entire match. Honestly. Diego Costa goes down in the first half, probably with the season-ending injury is what it looks like, getting stretchered off the field. And, like, Wolves could have scored three goals on Tottenham, if I'm being real. Uh, they had way better chances inside the 18-yard box. But it's, hey, it's what you sign up for. Um, so I say this now, Tottenham could take out AC Milan on Wednesday. So it's it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Hopefully, Conte comes back. I think the honeymoon phase with our interim manager might be gone now. Uh, so that's what's nice for Tottenham fans is you have a world-class manager coming in to manage your team. So uh, it won't be all doom and gloom. I think hopefully this is the last blip on our radar for a little while. But, yeah, it was it was a bad game to watch. It was so It was so bad. It was so boring. It was bad. It was so bad. Sorry, I'm done. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a textbook Tottenham loss. When you look yeah. at a lot of the losses we've had this season, almost all of them are not they're not fun. Yeah, they've the attacking front third just looks disconnected, disjointed. Um yeah, it's it is so weird sometimes just watching Tottenham play. It's it is it is. Um you know the talent's there. You know they're capable of scoring. Harry Kane has however many goals this year. He's playing incredibly well, and he's still not leading the Golden Boot because Holland's another whole monster. Um, but we're still losing games to the bottom half teams. We'll beat Manchester City one week and then lose to Wolves, and it's just yeah, it's we'll beat so Chelsea. 
You know, we'll beat Chelsea and we'll lose to uh, Sheffield United in the FA Cup all in the same week. Yeah, it's it's so frustrating. And the hope is Antonio Conte, which him, he always seems to have a headline every week. He's had such an interesting time at Tottenham the past year and a half. Uh, he's had close friends die. He's had a gallbladder surgery. He's lost big games. He's won big games. He's gotten arguments. He's gotten managers fired like Thomas Tuchel, it seems. So hopefully his return to Tottenham can kind of be that electric shock to the chest to help us push for a Champions League spot. Um, but no, it's just so it's so frustrating that I feel like one week we're having great conversations about you know players looking good, and the next it's just like where are they? They're non-existent. And I guess for me, I can kind of pinpoint our struggles in the new year to losing our Rodrigo Bentancur how pivotal he is um, to our game, I think. Uh, just something creative, bringing the ball up the field in the middle. Uh, we've had conflict with Sun and Perisic on that left side, just the two of them not looking like themselves uh, in the years past. Kulisewski having inconsistent days, and that just means Harry Kane has to score goals, which he is the best at, but he's not doing it against teams like Sheffield and Wolves. That is not a good sign, and you know, I'm optimistic we'll get the job done. Hopefully Antonio Conte will stick around for the whole year and get things done. But North London looking a little shaky all around, and we'll have to see what they can do against Milan this week. But upcoming in our man in our Premier League preview, we have Crystal Palace playing host to Manchester City. And Palace, guys, they have uh, zero wins. Zero wins since November 6th. My goodness, that was a 2-1 win against West Ham, who West Ham just had a really bad week as well. Um, any silver lining they have, I guess, are draws against Manchester United, Liverpool, and a pretty good Brighton during that stretch of uh, no wins. So, potentially something they could maybe build off, but Man City are unbeaten their last five with four wins. But, some history between these two clubs, very, very important for me. Uh, their last matchup was pretty entertaining. A tale of two halves. Palace, they own the first half scoring two goals, so getting ahead. But then you think about this guy just coming on the scene. Erling Holland getting a hat trick all in the second half. Uh, yeah, Man City went on to win that game 4-2. to two. So things have been business as usual for City, entering with 13 goals in the last five Premier League matches. But can they replicate that again against Crystal Palace? Is it just smooth sailing for them in this one? I'm not entirely sure. You mentioned the last matchup, which was pretty entertaining, to be honest. I do remember watching it. But last year, I was looking up the history, and last year, Crystal Palace won um, the, the the matchup, if you will, the, the two, over the two legs. They they beat Manchester City. I forget what the score was, maybe 2 nothing, 2-1. And then they drew um, them as well. So weird. I, I wouldn't call them necessarily a bogey team for for Man City, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I don't. It's almost like they're due for something, right? They haven't won since before the World Cup. <laughs> How are they still mid table? <laughs> We're talking Thanksgiving status. I was eating turkey the last time uh, Crystal Palace won a match. So You still had Halloween decorations on your porch when this happened. Yes. Like, this is not good. But when you talk about Min City, they've been playing so well. There's no way they could drop points in this game. You know, it's such a weird, like, coming together, these two teams. One is so due, and then one is sort of on top of the world almost. I don't know. I think it's sort of the perfect storm being at Selhurst Park for Crystal Palace. Uh, Patrick Vieira still has some talented players on his team. You talk about Wilfred Zaha. That is a guy who can make something out of nothing. Um, but you counteract that with a guy like Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Holland, the entire Man City lineup like Bernardo Silva, Jack Grealish. It really feels like the Monstars versus the Toon Squad. Um, but the Toon Squad got it done. You never know. Anything could happen, guys. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about this one in a second. Um, but we talk about Manchester United, the red side of Manchester. They come back. They're reeling from this loss to Liverpool. They kind of get a softball of a team in Southampton. 
Southampton haven't even beaten Manchester United since 2016, but they've drawn four of the last seven. So not getting the wins, but getting some of the draws. Um, Southampton over the weekend just moved out of last place with a 1-0 win over Leicester. Uh, they're still in the relegation at 19th, but hey, a chance to move in the table for them is monumental no matter what the points are. Um, and listen, we know this. The, surely those players know it. Ten Hag will be nailing this into their heads that they owe it to their supporters to look their best and put that result at Anfield behind them. Um, it was only four games ago in this series that Man U beat Southampton 9-0 to during lockdown, tying the largest margin of victory in Premier League history, guys. So the ingredients are there for Man United to come back, show how much of a fluke it was, and put Southampton into the ground, Brandon. I feel like you have to agree. There's no way South... For real this time, there's no way that Manchester United can lose this game. Guaranteed, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think they can lose it, but I don't. I think there's a chance that they draw. Um, Southampton's trying to look up. Um, they're really trying to pull themselves off the bottom, and they have. They did it last week uh, to a lesser team who's also not so great. But I don't think they necessarily deserve to win that game from what I saw. But they did it. They did it ugly. Uh, no, I think Manchester United is by far the clear favorite in this one. Um, but maybe I won't say there's no chance anymore. So Steve can't quote me. He's covering his bases now, Steve. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had to do it to you. Um, but yeah, I think United's going to, I'll say it. I don't think United loses Southampton. I don't think there's a chance. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be at Old Trafford, uh, against, against Southampton. I think this United crowd is going to be behind the boys, also maybe holding a flame to a couple of players uh, behind on that roster as well. So I think United's going to go out and score a lot of goals. I think y'all are right. I think if they happen to lose this game, we would start seeing a lot of Manchester United fans in green and yellow again, probably calling for Glazers out if I had any thoughts about it. Newcastle, they will be playing against Wolves. Um, out of the last seven matchups between these two teams, there have been five 1-1 draws. That sounds just about right for these two teams. We did mention Newcastle's dip of form recently. Um, two losses and three draws out of their last five. Um, and Wolves kind of being a little bit of flip-flop, getting the win against Tottenham, like we said. Um, they have two wins in their last five, two losses, one draw. So, I guess... Yeah, we'll focus more on Newcastle side of it. Their stalemate, will it continue? Will they kind of steadily decline? Not nosediving. They're not nosediving by any means. They're just sort of looking a little stale, Brandon. Is this just going to continue to be that thing? Because Wolves aren't a bad squad either. Yeah, I don't think Wolves are, are bad. And Lopetegui, their coach, I think he was the old Spain manager, I'm pretty sure. Like, they have a good thing going there. They're Wolves. Um... But Newcastle's really circling this game, saying this is our bounce back. If there was a bounce back game, this is it. To get a win, to maybe score a couple goals um, at home, this is this is it. They're, they are really looking at this game, trying to get a win here. Um, I think they can, obviously. I think Wolves could also win. Um, it's one of those where it's... Uh, I don't know, and if you're getting my hint, you, you're probably reading between the lines thinking what I think's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Steve, is this a nail in the coffin for Newcastle if they lose for their top four chances? Uh, Yes, for top four, I think so. They've only scored one goal in their past four matches in all competitions, conceding seven. So... That's not good. Uh, they still have the best defense. Brandon was asking that question earlier in the pod about they have the best defense. They've only allowed 17 goals this year in the Premier League. Next best is Arsenal at 25 goals. So, like, it's there, right? Like, the defense is there. So, will there be a dramatic shift? I don't know. But I do think if they lose against Wolves, cancel that top four for sure. Um, I... 
I'm going to go so American on this. I'm going to go Wolverhampton win. I don't like draws, but it'll probably be a draw. But I think Wolverhampton never looked good against Tottenham. Um, I think Wolves could could snatch this game against Newcastle. Fair enough. Steve, I want you to kind of keep the hot hand going here because there's a team out there that are unbeaten in their last 12 Premier League games, and I need you to tell me more. Y'all, we're not talking about the Brentford Bees enough, baby. Mm-hmm. Brentford, ninth place in the Premier League, level on points with Brighton, the team that we've been singing the praise of. Matoma, Matoma. Well, Brentford has Ivan Tony, like I highlighted at the start of this episode. Like Cole said, unbeaten in their last 12 Premier League games, level on points with Brighton. In that stretch, they have beaten the likes of Liverpool. Manchester City, they've tied Tottenham. They've tied league-leading Arsenal as well. Y'all, this team is legit. They're not doing against less op- oof, lesser opponents right now. Um, and they have a game up against Everton, I believe. Uh, they're looking good. They're looking good. Like I said, they just beat Fulham uh, back at the weekend, which is a team that's right up there with them uh, in the top half of the table. They're looking good. More points in their last five games than Brighton, Fulham, and Newcastle. All those teams I just mentioned are ahead of them currently on the table. Next two games against Everton, like I said, and Southampton. Y'all, this team is good. They're playing great ball. They're the money ball team of the Premier League. I'll actually ask the question this time, Cole. Do you guys think that this team could finish top six? They're coming out of nowhere but out of somewhere, unbeaten in their last 12, have we just not been seeing it? Gosh, they're such a fun team. It's sort of like what Burnley, they made, they made a Europa League in like 2017 or something like that. There's always these teams that just have like, sometimes they're one-off years and sometimes they can actually build off it and become real things. Brentford are a good team. They have talented players. They play so well. That money ball system has worked for them. Ivan Tony, you guys said earlier has 15 goals on the year. Is that right? Yes. Like, that's insane. Um, yeah, a lot of work to do to still get to a European spot. Top six, you'd have to see Newcastle drop out. Fulham, they just beat Fulham uh, three to two. It really more was like a three one. Um, Carlos Vinicius got a goal in the eighty or the ninety six minutes. So, yeah, I mean, that'd be really really cool to see. This is a a team under Thomas Frank who their very first game in the Premier League a year ago beat Arsenal at home. They were singing um, Hey Jude for an hour after the game. The fans are incredible selling out the G-Tech it seems like every single week. Um, I'm all for it. I really think that with the right run of form, uh, the right results, the just the perfect you know fall of grace with uh, Newcastle and Fulham, I can see a realistic chance for Brentford. I wouldn't even be surprised. And I think that could be, if Arsenal wins the Premier League, that's going to be the storyline of this season. Um, but if a team like Brentford made, you know, Europa League, um, I think that'd be a really, really awesome storyline. And I think there's a realistic chance of it, Brandon. Yeah, I, I think there is. I just think they're a little too, too uh, inconsistent. Um, I think Fulham's been more consistent than this year. Um, I like Brighton a lot more than I like Brentford. Also, Ivan Tony's going to serve a ban for betting on games. Um, so I don't know when that's coming. Um, Brentford will definitely fall off at that point as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's looking like the top six is taking shape. I don't think Newcastle will drop out of it. So that really leaves one spot. And that's Fulham, Brighton, uh, Brentford, held Chelsea. Are they in there? I'll throw Aston Villa for throwing Chelsea in there. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't know who wants sixth, seventh. Um, I don't know. It's going to be one of these guys. I don't think Brentford will make top six, though. I got a, I got a quick question here off the cuff. Um m- more likely to happen. Liverpool top four, Brentford top six. Liverpool top four. I'm going Liverpool top four. Yeah. Personally. Yeah, it's probably that's probably not as good as a question as I thought. But uh yeah, I'll probably go Liverpool top four. But hey. No, no. 
I think I think that's a good thing to talk about. Though I, we started talking about this earlier, kind of off camera beforehand, but I just, I think it's still just worth mentioning the fact that this year in the Premier League, I think is how the Premier League should be. There's not a clear cut uh, winner so far. There's not clear cut top four finishers. There's so much to play for, and this is how the Premier League I think should be. The expectations that fans, it seems, have on Twitter, on the internet, um, message boards, whatever it is, is that, oh, if your team isn't three losses and winning every other single game, then, like, you're not living up to the standard of what's expected for us as a club. And it's just, it just seems to me that that's just a, such an unrealistic standard that, you know, Liverpool and Man City have gotten over 100 points, just breaking Premier League records in that sense. But it's just so nice to have it feels like everyone is in competition this year. You talked a second ago about Villa, Brandon. Y'all are in, what, 11th place? And you could still have a shout at making a European spot. And you talk about the bottom seven teams, how they're all within, like, six points of each other. Like, I like how the Premier League is set up right now. I like that every team can be fighting for something that there's not a runaway champion. And that's the thing for me. You talk about Brentford, clubs like that, they don't have to be spending $300 million in a January transfer window for a chance to play for some kind of competition. And that's what I love to see. Um, even the fact that we're having this discussion is what makes leagues like the Premier League so good. And I hope it can be sustainable. Um, the likes of Newcastle United might be upsetting the system like we've seen Manchester City do in the past 15 years. So anything can happen. But I'm enjoying this season probably more than any other because teams are losing games. It's okay to lose teams. It's okay to lose games sometimes. It's not the end of the world. It actually makes the season a bit more fun for everybody. But on to our segment called Around the World. This is our chance to kind of go away over the pond, as we say. Now that MLS is back, we like to give our MLS Fast Five. Last week, a bit of a review match week two. Brandon and Steven predicted three of those five results correctly. I walked away with a one result correctly predicted. Uh, collectively, though, we all missed on that Miami win over Philadelphia. We gave Miami no choice or no chance, and they won that thing two to zero. Um, so maybe, uh, maybe some better odds for us this week. Uh, we're gonna get our predictions though started with Charlotte FC playing host to Atlanta United, the I eighty five rivalry that's sort of being born. Steve, you will go first in your predictions. What do you have in store for this one? Yeah, I have uh, Yakumakis goals in store. Uh, I got Atlanta winning this one 2-0. Um, I think the team looks great, just finishing that, missing that final finishing in that final third, and which should have happened this past week, VAR. Uh, but anyways, I think Charlotte looked rough right now, um, just losing to St. Louis on the weekend as well. I think Atlanta looks creative. You put a $5 million striker in there. I hope the goals come. So, yeah, I got Atlanta 2-0 over Charlotte. Okay, Brandon. Yeah, uh, I I think we'll score two goals. Uh, but it's Atlanta's first away game. Charlotte's lost both of the first two games. There's I don't know if it's the first game at home. I don't think it, it's not the first game at home. But back in front of their home crowd, I think they'll also score goals. Our defense hasn't looked great. Uh, I'm going to say 2-2 draw. I think it'll be a fun one, Charlotte. Yeah, I get, I don't know off the top of my head for sure, but I feel like Atlanta really struggled on the road last year. Um, so fighting some demons, they will definitely want to overcome the memories of last year, and that's the point you're making, Steven Yakamakis. He was really unlucky to be marginally offside in that goal he had against um, this past weekend. Uh, so I really do think he'll get on the board. I have a 1-1 draw. I'm hoping that you know we can get more out of it, but a 1-1 draw seems pretty realistic. Uh, probably a pretty level game for the both teams, Charlotte and Atlanta. Cincinnati, though, they are playing at home against the Seattle Sounders, Steven. What do you foresee happening in this one? Uh, yes, the CONCACAF Champions League winners have not conceded a goal yet uh, in their first two games so far this season, and they've scored six. Yeah, so that's all what I really got to say. I think they're going to win this game um, on the score of 3-1. to one. I think Cincinnati might get a goal, but I think uh, Seattle handles Cincinnati pretty well. 
Yeah, uh, Mr. Vasquez is due. He has not scored yet this season. Um, he will score, but they will still lose Seattle 2-1. The best thing Cincinnati has going for them is that they're at home. I don't know what things will look like as far as weather or anything, but maybe they'll have a home field advantage that does just enough for them to get a 1-0 win in favor of Cincinnati. It would be cool to see Brendan Vasquez score. Um, but I don't see Seattle winning on the road in this one. And in Portland, they play host to the new guy, St. Louis. Steven, any chance for St. Louis in this one? I think there's definitely a chance. Um, getting two games back-to-back where the defender passes the ball to your striker is pretty lucky. Um, but I think it'll be a draw. I, I still don't think they lose. They look they look pretty threatening and, and pretty good, just getting their first uh, home victory. And they're one of only four teams right now in the MLS to be 2-0. So that's – it's 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 early, but it's MLS. It's kind of crazy. But they look creative, and they look dynamic. So Portland with a win and a, and a loss, I think, so far to start the year. Um, I think it will be a very entertaining game. I got a 1-1 draw um, at Providence Park. Mm, yeah... I don't know. I think I think uh, Portland will will bring St. Louis back down to earth a little bit. Um, great start to their season, obviously, but two nothing Portland. I think the home crowd will help a lot. I just had a one zero score in my mind, but now I'm thinking three zero. I sort of, I don't know. You can't have that rosy of a start to your first MLS season. Something's got to go wrong at some point. Uh, Portland's not an easy place to play. Uh, I think they'll come out swinging. I'm taking 3-0 in favor of the Timbers. Why not, you know? Um, But we'll move on next to Salt Lake and Austin FC. uh, Two Western Conference foes. Steven, who would you have going in this one? Yeah, uh, I got Real Salt Lake. I don't think Austin's looked good this year, uh, honestly. They got that loss in that first week against St. Louis. They scored a goal against a bad Montreal team, honestly, this past week. And Real Salt Lake, I don't know. I think they have pretty dynamic players on their team. It's it's kind of a crapshoot, honestly, but I do think Real Salt Lake is going to capitalize on Austin's bad form, maybe. I can't say form, I guess, only two weeks into the season. But um, it's 2-1. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw. I wouldn't be surprised if it was maybe a, a close Austin win. But I got Real Salt Lake 2-1. to one. Uh, I don't know if I want to explain this much. I'll just say 2 nothing Austin. It could go either way, I think. Uh, but Austin might yeah. be like, yeah, it's time, time to start playing. I love MLS after dark. Austin FC going to Salt Lake and beating them 3-2. to two. High-scoring affair, a fun one to watch. Nothing better. It's sort of like the Pac-12 after dark. You get those West Coast games in MLS. Anything can kind of go. There's no rules. The Wild West, 3-2. Austin definitely taking that one. And then the MLS game of the week, this is the one Sunday game. LAFC, the MLS Cup champions, playing host to New England in this one. Should be a pretty good matchup between Eastern and Western Conference teams. Steven, what do you see in this one? I see absolute chaos. Cue the Elmo meme with his arms outstretched with flames everywhere. I got a 3-3 draw. Uh, New England has yet to let a goal in in their first two matches, but I think LAFC is a very good team. At home, they're going to score goals. Uh, Vela... He's yet, he scored a penalty, but I think he's yet to really come alive in this LAFC team. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game of the week, for sure. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I just think New England's going to score a lot of goals, and I think LAFC is too. And I think it'll be your classic MLS matchup uh, conundrum of just a ton of goals. MLS Cup champions, Brandon, at home. Can they hold on against New England? It's hard to bet against them, but they are a little hit or miss sometimes. Um, they almost let whoever they play this weekend come back. Um, yeah, I think they'll beat New England, though. Uh, I'll go 2-1 LAFC. And I am right there with you, 2-1. Yeah, it's again, we've said this before. MLS is so – I would never it's put so any tough. real money on MLS. It's so hard. But for this time, I'm going to go 2-1 LAFC. Um, they are a really good side. New England, they're no slouches either, but 2-1 in favor 
of the Angel City. Which brings us to our final segment, you betcha. We are amateur bettors. We are so bad at betting, and this is nothing like betting advice. So this is for fun. And we, uh, just so you guys know, we missed all our bets last week, so this is sort of how things go. But we do give some mocks on some games. Steven gets us started because he is number one. Who do you have as your lock this week for you, Betcha, Steve? Um, yeah, I want, I want to win. Um, so I'm actually locking Brighton to win over Leeds. Uh, Brighton are plus 100 on the money line versus Leeds. A Leeds team that just lost to Chelsea 1-0. It doesn't look good. They're not really scoring goals. I, I think Brighton's a way better side. So I'm going for Brighton, plus 100. Um, they're favored, but you're still getting some good odds uh, on the plus side. So, yeah, my money's on Brighton. Yeah. I think that game's going to be wild, by the way. That that's would be a fun one to watch. Um, I'm going to say... <laughs> referring to uh, my comment earlier about reading between the lines... I think the Newcastle versus Wolves is going to be a draw at plus 300. Um, I think that's pretty good odds, especially with the recent history. What, what did we say? Five one one draws. I might go as far to say yeah. it's going to be a one one draw this time. <laughs> so wow, it's getting um, daring today. Aren't no, you? I'm not putting that in, but I do think it will be a draw. I don't think Newcastle will get the win, unfortunately, with a Wolves team that's in okay form. Um, draws my bet. What do you think, Cole? No, that's a good draw, and I <laughs> I was cooking this up earlier as well. You could see where I was going with it. Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park at home against Men City. It just feels like the perfect storm for a draw. I see that big number at plus 425, and this is probably why we're bad betters, but I see it, and I think, <laughs> wow, there is there is something happening here. And for me, it's a draw. I, I just think that it's the perfect recipe Palace are desperate for a point. They need a they need a win, but a point against Man City would be huge. Patrick Vieira has done it before. It's the history. Man City has these patterns against certain teams. It feels like we're just like they just have their number, and I think Palace is going to be that team this week. So I'm taking the lock with the draw at 4:25. Palace getting the job done for themselves against Manchester City. Well, guys, we might be bad betters. But I hope people think we're good podcasters. And we have fun doing this for you guys because we reached the end of another episode of the supporter section. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you did, that means that you need to leave a like on this video. There's no other way to go about it. Leave a like. Leave a comment. Please do. We think it's a great way to interact with you guys. We like to see what you have to say. So make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the supporter section down below. Because for me and my guy, for me and the guys. We really do like to see the community building up a little bit. But it's been me, Cole Carter. They've been Brandon Pasnick and Stephen Curl. Another episode of the Supporter Section down, guys. Another loaded week of football. Until the next one, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace out.